Welcome to the podcast version of Robots in Depth. This episode's interview is with Christian Gutmann and is produced in cooperation with Vivolver. Robots in Depth is supported by Aptomica. Visit aptomica.com to connect. You will find all past episodes and more on robotsindepth.com. Welcome to this episode of Robots in Depth. Today I'm honored to have Christian Gutmann here and we're going to talk about AI. Mm. But we're going to start where we usually start. How did you get into the field to start with? What was the beginning of your journey? Yeah, I think it is an enormously fascinating concept. When I was uh, younger, you know, started my, um, my, my journey into artificial intelligence and robotics, uh, I think I had two, two questions on my mind. One was, uh, on one hand, to understand uh, how intelligent systems work, uh, and that brought me to studying psychology and social science, and then, of course, also engineering. If you want to understand intelligent behavior, you really only have understood it if you can engineer it. And so I also did those those types of studies. But I think I was fascinated by the fact to build something with an intelligent capacity, something you can interact with, something that can interact with the world or with me in a very advanced way. And so that fascination has carried through from an early age until today, I would say. Can you tell me you started, what, what, did, you, did you study the, at university or how did you get into the field practically? Yeah, exactly. I think I was early on. I mean, I had, a, I had already a computer when I was like, I think, 10 or 11. You know, I started starting doing my, um, my programming at the time. I mean, with these small computers you had in the old days, there's uh, no way you can uh, fulfill the big ambition. No deep uh, learning on those, right? No, not quite, not quite. You know, although many of the theories were already in place. But then I you know, started... Uh, studying, I think that's when it became, became much more formulated. Um, and yeah, so that brought me really uh, number one in the field of theoretical computer science, also philosophy and ethics early on. Uh, and yeah, so that was a good while ago now. And then you discovered AI specifically and started to focus on that? Exactly. So I think my first courses in AI was that was in 96 or so, you know, 98. So that, at that time, uh, the plethora of topics that you have in AI, you know, it's just overwhelming so fascinating about how you can apply uh, you know these types of technology including the good old concepts of neural networks and what I uh, when I studied these topics it wasn't just like uh, uh, artificial neural networks as we know them today but also biological neural networks so we I was actually in courses where the neural networks were we were looking at them a level deeper really how they function in our brain or in invertebrates uh, for example so that was very fascinating is there anything that you brought from those early steps into biological mm -hmm. brains that you're still thinking wow it's still relevant right yeah, of course. I mean, many and many of the basic questions are also not answered yet, right? I mean, uh, we still have a lot of insights. Recent recent advances in neural networks also point at these early structures, you know, how you can, for example, over time maintain knowledge in, in neural networks that, uh, you know, otherwise would be forgotten. And so in uh, that is very similar functionalities that our human brains have. So I think much of the research today in AI is very much influenced at the, at the you know, of the early days. And again, like even though I started uh, 96, 98, as you know, AI, uh, robotics, those areas have started much earlier in the 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, folks like Alan Turing have been really op opening up these discussions, which, uh, which have influenced me a lot too. So mm -hmm. really, when you look at the early papers by Turing, they're mm -hmm. probably some of the most inspirational for me. Uh, and then, of course, you know, not only neural networks, but robotics and, and, and all these areas. And when you start seeing the challenges in each of these areas, um, 
it, it gives you a lot of respect. And I think uh, when you then also connect this to social science and to psychology, how we act, mm -hmm. it becomes enormously fascinating. Are we ever able to uh, build such systems that have these types of abilities or some of these abilities? So extremely, and I like challenging problems, you know, complex challenging problems, if they exist, I, uh, I, will, be, I will be there. Yeah, big hairy yeah. problem we're talking about, mm, and, mm. and AI certainly is enough. That's exactly. a, that's a slice of the problem pie, I can mm. tell you. One thing I must say, when I look back at the old papers from the 50s, 60s, 70s, I'm a little um, I'm a little jealous to see how at that time there was much more freedom and liberty to propose much bigger goals and ideas, right? Uh, uh, which today, if you would have the same propositions, they would be um, they already. Discussed, you know. So, in other words, at the time, the goals and the visions projected were, were much bigger. Mm. Whereas today, also when you go to conferences like here at the at the International Joint Conference of AI, mm. problems become much more uh, tight. You know, it's a lot about mathematical formulas. Sometimes it's also connected to really bringing, you know, lots of papers and publications forward. So, um, so I think it is important sometimes to reflect back on what the big goals are uh, that at least motivated me. And I think many, many in the field that are dedicated to it and have been working for it for decades and will continue to dedicate their life to it, you know. What you're saying is absolutely true. And I think we, we must take time in our busy lives to do that, mm. to raise our eyes above the, the details, which are, of course, in the end, very important. But we also have to keep an eye on the direction. Mm -hmm. Where do you see both your work in AI mm. in general? Mm. What's mm. the direction? What are the problems that are tractable for us within a reasonable time frame? Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I was just actually reflecting about what you just said earlier. Um, you're right. When we look at what our next big achievements are, you know, having a certain discipline about what's needed to achieve that. Uh, when we look at science, it's a scientific principle that enabled us today to really discover more truth about our world. And that's the age of enlightenment. It's not necessarily that one generation is able to come up with a way of really fundamentally changing the, uh, the, the structure of society, if you like. You know, it took hundreds of years to, for us to develop these mechanisms. And similar in AI. I mean, we need these, uh, these skills, this understanding. Right now, it's a very high-level understanding you know, of, of what, what's happening. And um, I really hope that in the next 10, 20 years, there will be more. And to your point, to your question, what is it that, uh, uh, that I will be doing? So number one, there's of course more and more research that needs to be done, and that's at the at the universities that I'm associated with, uh, with uh, students. So we here had a really fantastic paper on uh, how to apply AI in the healthcare context mm -hmm. for you patients. Because you focus a lot on the healthcare context. Exactly right. So I think over the last 15 years, I've been focusing mostly on medicine and, and health, and that is a very fascinating topic. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, now I feel a huge need in uh, making a contribution on the clarity of the topic of AI, so that, for example, government large corporations and also startups and the whole of society understand the topic better yes. so that is a big dedication uh, and it's in part why we talk because I think of course media and communication is extremely important in order to get a good picture out and um, as is often the case you know you need to have um, you need to have these clear views about what what the topic is by perhaps people that have been working on it mm. I'm often I mean I'm a little bit uh, surprised that you know in other areas you would not pretend to have experts on the topic of, let's say, brain surgery or, or some topic, right? And have everyone speak about the topic without having the qualification to speak about it. And I think in AI it becomes even more important mm. because the decisions that machine learning algorithms will do, and we had, by the way, here fantastic discussions on the topic, uh, will be fundamental to us. They will influence our lives. 
And as you say, if you run into the wrong direction and governments or companies place their bets on the wrong wrong horse, so to say, mm -hmm. it's going to be really bad. You know? And that is very much why I run the show. And, and, and this aligns perfectly with what I'm doing, mm. which, which is in part why I'm so very happy to, to be able to do it, because I carry the cameras and these guys know, the, know their stuff. It's all about you, yeah. right? So I give you this venue to share the information you have, uh, exactly. and you know that this happens without any filter exactly exactly both you know that yeah. and you know that yeah, um, yeah and yeah. that can get correct information out there it can also dispel myths mm. uh, and, mm. and 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 make this process better by informing people uh, yeah i mean th this is exactly what i try to try to achieve with my mission and also the nordic artificial intelligence institute hmm? which is a talk yeah. about introduce the institute sure first. what is it who works yes. there what do you do yes so, so briefly, it's a non-profit organization, an independent organization, mm -hmm. which um, is a global alliance of uh, leaders in AI that mm -hmm. both have a strong business uh, uh, representation and leadership. So often global leads and global partners and large organizations around the world. It's international. Mm -hmm. uh, and also uh, uh, those that have a strong scientific affiliation. So often our professors or PhDs mm -hmm. uh, and or have an uh, uh, association with governments. So they are, mm -hmm. for example, in the UN or yeah. or discuss with governments you know what's happening and so those backgrounds that alliance uh, of, of, of leaders is yeah. in the Nordic AI Institute and then we are essentially offering independent advice on uh, anyone that needs it and at this point it's a lot about clarity yeah. uh, and the purpose and the mission of the organization is really to uh, use AI for social and economic prosperity in the long run for us as, as human as humans, you know, mm, humankind. Mm. Yeah. And a trusted third party for information, basically. Mm, yes, yeah, and, and, and there you can reach people. So, uh, the, mm -hmm. We can encourage the audience to reach out mm -hmm. and they can find people with, with, with deep uh, scientific knowledge in many areas. Mm -hmm. And I guess also people can, can involve themselves in this and share their knowledge mm -hmm. and experience and expertise. Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. So people are welcome to become members of the Nordic AI Institute. Mm -hmm. And then we have uh, NAII fellows. Mm -hmm. uh, so they are... Uh, they are now very active in, uh, you know, also giving interviews and mm. and uh, proposing and contributing where we can right now. Mm. So we, we have, there's a lot of demand mm. um, and a lot of countries and companies are, for example, also building AI strategies. Mm. And so mm. that is something where there is a lot of questions still around and mixing mm. up, for example, let's say old style mm. business intelligence or the mm. things that have existed as opposed to the, uh, you know, the actual AI machine learning algorithms um, that are now actually fundamentally differently influencing business and let's mm. go back to you can you talk about a bit, a bit about your daily research what are you mm. what mm. are you spending mm. the days doing mm. yeah that's a good question so uh, in fact i have a few uh, uh, um, uh, many tasks right mm. so um, i'm also the vice president at tieto and chief mm. ai uh, um, scientist there and that means that uh, we are actually building up our um, capabilities of delivering uh, artificial intelligence systems mm. uh, within products. So we're actually building verticals. My unit at the um, at, at Tieto is very much around innovation. So we're looking at partners on building products over a l much longer uh, lifespan, if you like, and. Um, and so we focus a lot on machine learning, for example, deep learning, of course, it's one big topic. And I think this is something where we have only started our journey in the Nordic countries and globally at Tieto, yeah. where we are using the um, you know, data in order to really 
improve uh, products. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one, and then we have machine vision and natural language processing products mm -hmm. uh, that, you that you like. And, and mm -hmm. there we have like a top team. Uh, most of them have a PhD in, in machine learning or AI. Mm -hmm. And I'm super, uh, super privileged to work with such a leading team here in the Nordic. So I think I would argue that we're probably now one of the, uh, the leading uh, AI teams here in the Nordics in terms of uh, you know, really producing tangible results in this sector. Mm. Um, and that is also broad. So I know, of course, many of our uh, friends uh, in, in the in this sector are uh, working on uh, similar things, sometimes a bit more specific, you know, in telecom or in cars and so on, but we have a very broad perspective. Mm -hmm. And then we also, I should mention that we have smarter society as a concept that mm -hmm. we're driving at tier two overall. So all 16,000 employees uh, mm -hmm. are very much focused on delivering a smarter society as a concept, which means that we are more able to collaborate with each other, mm -hmm. that many of the tedious tasks that we are doing mm -hmm. are, um, are sort of easier yeah and also allocate resources more efficiently and mm. and, and also i mean a, a society as a whole is is never going to work optimally it's mm. always about taking this traffic accident into account or, or this reconstruction in, mm. and then trying to dynamically because it changes all the mm. time if you have a static mm. plan you're doomed mm. to failure right mm. you have to constantly look at what is our goal and how can we best reach it, right? Mm, exactly, exactly. Given all these things that suddenly it's like 40 degrees in the shade or there's mm. a snowstorm mm. or, or, mm. or, or critical infrastructure breaks down for some reason and exactly. we still have to, yeah, to, to yeah, handle yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah. And now you're actually relating to uh, very interesting research topics that I probably worked with for, for a good 10 years or so. Uh, with Michael Georgiev, Professor Michael Georgiev, he was also the director of the Australian AI Institute. Mm -hmm. And there uh, we use the same technology used for space, uh, space shuttle BDI architectures. Mm -hmm. And they, these are exactly these hybrid uh, planning approaches, which are then also used in chronic disease management because mm -hmm. you cannot predict, you cannot have a static plan, mm -hmm. for example, and then uh, expect that you execute, right? Because uh, Michael actually often used this example of traveling to the airport, mm -hmm. then you have a flat tire, mm -hmm. right? And so if you just, uh, if your plan is just sit in the car and drive to the airport, mm -hmm. you will just be stuck, right? Mm -hmm. You need to start having sub plans that you mm -hmm. need to execute. And that is actually the essence of these types of approaches where mm -hmm. you are ensuring you're flexible to the future. You work mm. with the Karolinska Institute too, I understand. That right? is correct. Could you talk mm. a little bit about more what you do together with them? At the Karolinska Institute mm. we have, uh, and also actually at the University of New South Wales in mm. Australia, mm. Uh, we have topics and uh, research related to um, how we can improve health, how mm. we can essentially deliver medical, better medical care. Mm. Uh, and that is a primary, primary goal, right? But now, uh, as a part with some of my students and colleagues, we're working uh, on uh, neural networks and deep learning mm. in order to predict, for example, uh, complications with patients that have multiple chronic conditions. Mm. So rather than having uh, just one chronic condition, often what happens, you have, for example, diabetes and um, and problems with your uh, liver and so on. And so if you start taking all these together, it becomes a significantly more complex um, situation for doctors to deal with and clinicians mm. to deal with. And for example, at Denderud, there is now a unit that takes together uh, those different uh, conditions. And so uh, uh, one of my students, Rafiq Muhammad, he has been working on this field. And, and what it means is 
that it will be much better for patients ultimately, they will be treated better and more effectively, mm. and it will make the life of the clinicians easier mm. by essentially knowing what would potentially happen, how clinical processes and clinical management can improve in those types of situations. Mm. So, so really, the bottom line of these types of projects is it, it, is, it, is, um, it improves lives. It, is, mm. it uh, saves lives. Saves even. lives, exactly, yeah. yes. And that is what I'm so ambitious and passionate about, you know, that I think with these technologies, we can make a huge difference. Uh, mm. Saving lives and improving the existing lives and just make the entire, you know, entire humanity get us to it's the next the level. It's the next step for humanity, basically. Exactly. exactly. Well, and I understand that these multiple conditions and multiple medications um, is very hard because we, we get unique so quickly. Say that you mm. have one disease. I mean, mm. sadly enough, quite a number of people who's mm. going to have that disease. And then you add a second one, and then the, the group that has both of those two, mm -hmm. and for other reasons might be taking medication against those. When you add the medication and two diseases, suddenly you're, that's a very small group. And when you add a third condition and medication for that, you might be the only one ever in the world that's had that exact combination of of medications and conditions mm -hmm. and, and circumstances. Mm -hmm. And then it's very hard for classical techniques to, to, to work mm -hmm. because there's simply so little. But, but, but here can deep learning in an AI system help, I understand, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. I, we're a little bit away from really uh, implementing it and, and applying it today, mm -hmm. but you're completely right. I mean, it goes to the concepts of precision medicine also that you're able to... Individualized medicine. Exactly. And the reality is that, you know, on the next... Uh, I mean, already today, there's so massive amounts of data mm. that you should be reviewing in order to make a more proper treatment plan, for mm. example, for patients. And that includes your genomic background, mm. microbiome data perhaps, mm. your, the enti your entire medical history, mm. and, um, and also that of others that are similar to you. I mean, once you start having all these information, uh, mm. this information range, mm. it's, it's, it's understood to be impossible for an individual human being to go through all this and then come up with an accurate and my prediction would be very much that you know i think in five years time we will be seeing more and more of these types of application in the healthcare system in 20 years time we will be seeing it being quite regularly applied everywhere and in 40 years time you know all our children and grandchildren will look back and say how could they have done it back in those days i really hope that 40 mm -hmm. 50 60 years mm -hmm. from now the, the, the kids then are going to look at this period as how mm. could they ever survive without mm. an AI that helped me. Mm. But if you can help focus the mm. doctor's energy mm. Mm. by exactly. the AI sorting away all the things that it's just certain that that's, mm. not, that's not relevant this mm. time, mm. Mm. we can exactly. focus the human effort. Exactly, and I think there are certain aspects that won't go away. I mean, these, the, the warm hug that the, the doctor, yeah. uh, you know, uh, um, or the nurse would give in those situations. These are important aspects that Absolutely. will be there for a while. But I mean, certainly the fact, and I think everyone has the ambition to do very accurate diagnosis, to be effective with clinical management, to save money for tasks that no one enjoys. I mean, uh, I hear so many clinicians making notes and dealing with coding systems. That is certainly not, arguably really not something that contributes directly directly to this uh, to, to, to care, for example, you know, mm. so that's very important. Um. I heard uh, a, a really good thing where they turn the AI concept around and mm. say augmented intelligence mm. rather than mm. artificial intelligence. Mm. Artificial intelligence augments the human intelligence. Mm. And we talked about uh, how we in the future will be need, will have, will need the skills mm. to use the tool AI. Do you see that we, 
we are getting there where we start to train people to use these AIs? Mm. Well, to some extent, we already there. I mean, the you know concept and technologies and AI uh, have been out there. And there's technology already out there, right? When you start using uh, advanced systems in some sense. So, so people are used to it. Then, of course, you're very right. In fact, one of our uh, fellows and also professor, Melin Tambe, he wrote a really fantastic paper mm -hmm. in 96 on flexible teamwork. Mm -hmm. It's all about how you have autonomous systems working with each other. Mm -hmm. and, the, uh, and, this, and the work that followed after that is how do you have human actors you know, in, in, in teams and human robotic teams working mm -hmm. with each other. Mm -hmm. so, so I think it is very much the case uh, to, to look into this. You know, what decisions are... Uh, difficult enough to to suggest that you have an AI in the system too um, for those tasks, and then of course when you say augmented, what comes to me is of course you have those. It depends who's making the decision here, and why the decision is made. So uh, when you have um, today people that make decisions that influence our lives and how it impacts our lives, uh, they they are the more tricky tricky ones, you know, uh, and we need to be very careful and. That is the situations where an AI might be limited in how it could actually be applied in those types of situations. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, uh, augmented intelligence, augmented artificial intelligence is a possibility for us to really look at the bottlenecks in the system and where we can really expand this knowledge. And healthcare and medicine is just one of these beautiful examples mm -hmm. uh, where you can just use uh, the AI machine learning to understand uh, huge amounts of, of data quickly. Do you work on, on uh, any other projects other than the medical ones directly or together with Tito? Tito has a very broad portfolio. Yes, exactly right. Oh, there are many. I mean, there's, um, of course, we have in the banking system, we start looking at the um, areas which are around uh, loan scoring and uh, repayment cycles, for example. Mm -hmm. So there is already a lot of uh, AI machine learning applied to some extent. And this, this now is something we continue to work in. Retail is another big area. So, uh, you know, they, many of us have seen examples from the US, from large uh, American mm -hmm. uh, corporations, really looking at automating even more aspects of the retail space. So when you go into a shop and you automatically uh, it, it automatically detects what you're picking up and you don't have to pay anything with your credit card. So you have all these, uh, those types of things that we are working on essentially, uh, inventory detection. And uh, forestry is another big field. So Very big in Sweden forestry. Very big yeah, in the Nordics. I would love to hear more about what you do there. Mm -hmm. I mean, very big in the Nordics overall, right? It's a lot of wood here yeah. in the Nordics. 40% of, of Swedish GDP. Yeah, 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 exactly. Paper, pulp mills, you know, they are an important aspect. Mm -hmm. And it's all about understanding what... Um, you know what, what? What the trees? The health of the trees, for example, where these trees need require thinning, and uh, you know th those types of questions you can mm. start answering or reviewing by having satellite images or other sources of information, mm. and uh, or drones, of course, is mm. an increasing topic. Mm. When I was in Australia, by the way, I'm Australian too. So, mm. and when uh, when I uh, traveled there, I was in Canberra recently, mm. our capital, mm. and there you have seen and on farmers markets. What I was surprised me, I was expecting tomatoes and chicken mm. being sold. But there were uh, three stands that sold uh, uh, drones, right? <laughs> and so these drones were self-flying and they would enable like checking the fences and checking your if the sheep and the cows are in the right order and so on. And it's mm -hmm. completely, it's close to completely automated. And that was a year or two ago. So, mm -hmm. so those types of similar technologies mm -hmm. are used for forestry, of course, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. um, it's, all, it's all happening. It's traffic flow management. So when you look mm -hmm. at object identification, that which by in itself is a, is a large field, right? Mm -hmm. You can observe many different objects. But looking at how, uh, you know, cars and, and traffic is, is evolving by looking at 
you know how cars are moving and traffic is to to, to predict uh, queues and traffic jams uh, to manage uh, red lights uh, and, and other control devices yeah, absolutely. it's been a fantastic discussion we have learned so much and i'm sure we're going to come back now and then and see what you've been doing since uh, in, in that time yeah it was lovely thank you very much for taking the time to do an interview thank you Pierre. it was great thank you I hope you liked this episode of the podcast version of Robots in Depth. This episode is produced together with Vvolver. Vvolver is a platform and community providing engineers informative content that help them innovate. It's how engineers stay cutting edge. Optomica is the founding sponsor for Robots in Depth. Optomica rents anything in modular robotics. Dream, rent, build. Visit optomica.com to connect. I'm your host, Per Sherboy. Until the next episode, thank you for listening.